Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today, Sense of Soul is so excited about our guest for many reasons. Not only does she live here in Colorado, but she lives right here in Aurora, where we live. She is a soul survivor and has turned her pain into purpose, which is what Shannon and I have done and hope to inspire others to do. We are also very excited because we are going to talk with her about topics that Shanna and I are completely fascinated with and hope to learn more about. She is someone that we've looked up to and who we've followed for many years and who has been part of both of our journeys. Deb Shepard is an internationally known psychic medium who's been on Fox, NBC, iHeartRadio, 850KOA, and is the author of a bestseller book called Grieving to Believing, Discovering the Afterlife. She's a spiritual leader, a public speaker, and it is our absolute honor to welcome Deb Shepard. Hi. Yeah, hi. How are you? Hey, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. It's such a pleasure. My head just got really big and swollen. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You know, when I, years ago, sometimes I'm like, okay, this is somebody else, but I'm really honored the way you introduced, so I'm in gratitude. You're so, so excited too. And we were even more ecstatic when we found out that you live like two miles from us because we started this business with Aurora, our community in mind. That's great. Yeah. Well, you know, I I know there's little pockets of us out there popping up more and more, you know, we're we're coming Mm -hmm. out of the closet, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The great awakening. So who's Um, doing this? Did you guys come together and just say, let's do this? You know what, Mandy and I have been best friends since we were teenagers, okay. and she's definitely, she's in my soul family. I can't get rid of her, Deb, for nothing, so. <laughs> start charging, whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, but we went on our own spiritual journeys, and even though they were a little different, uh, mine was more from grief, and hers was from near-death experiences. We were able to be there for each other because it wasn't pretty. Well, you know, I always say it's rebirth without the epidural. I'm so sorry, but I'm proud of you getting through the other side. That is for oh, sure. Man. I was listening to you on another podcast, and I saw that rather than calling mediumship a gift, that you actually call it an ability. You said the reason why is because you didn't like how it kind of separated us. And that has been like over the past few years, a big part of my journey is that I've really distanced myself. I've separated myself from things that separate us. There's a lot of egos in spirituality, like any other business. Yes. And so I think the ego is important to say that I am a medium or I am this. I think the ego is important to have, but I don't want to separate us from someone else that, you know, I've got electricity and I, someone picks up my trash and, right. you know, there's food uh, at the grocery store. So I feel like we all have something that we bring to the table. I don't have a lot of other talents besides this. <laughs> I love teaching. So when I call an ability, it's just to kind of make the, you know, the ground kind of even for everybody. So no one feels like they're more special. Because you even see what's going on now in our country with George Floyd. And, you know, like, this is nothing new. <laughs> You know, the kneeling at a football field was, you know, judged. And judgment to me is because sometimes people don't know what to believe. I think there's ignorance. And I also feel like they don't know, um, kind of, they haven't had the experiences to kind of understand things. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you put the playing field equal and you put yourself on the same level as others, all of a sudden you can learn and understand about where they are, their journey, because all of us have a different journey. 
And yep. you, as we know, the old saying, until you walk in someone else's shoes, um, sure. you, know, you really get that. So, well, I'm sure you've been um, in a lot of shoes. <laughs> well, you know, I have like 600 pairs. So, <laughs> if you guys were a size eight, eight and a half, you can come on over. Yeah. So, I'm just really proud of you because I, I feel like some people, they change when they're, they're, I mean, I became a medium when my life was at a crisis. And I think all of us kind of look for different answers when we're in those crises. If things are going well, we're not going to change. So it always takes the yeah. pain to say, how much pain do you need to get in order to say, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. Yeah. And I feel people that are higher, this, this is a judgment thing, but at a higher level of consciousness have done their work through lifetimes, you know, they're going to have more pain because we came here to, to get our PhDs. So yeah. It's going to be a little tougher. I have a lot of friends and family that I know are still in like in first or second grade. They're still learning how to line up and share. Yeah. <laughs> that's where they are. That's where their life is right now. And, you know, we, have, we can't just say, well, why aren't they doing this? It's because that's not their lesson this lifetime. I'd like to share with you, I was lucky enough to go to one of your events that was held in Denver. And it was a large event. And then... I my father was strong enough that he came through. Yeah, I could feel your dad even now. Oh, yeah, he's something else. I do want to share my experience because it's one of the reasons why I am so excited because I know you're the real deal. My dad had died like around maybe six to nine months prior to me going. And I went there with no expectations. You know, there's a lot of people in that room. And, you know, I loved what you said. You said, those who paid extra for like the better seats, it doesn't matter because they don't care where you sit. <laughs> but I got sat next to Roshki. Really? I did. And uh -huh. she is awesome. She is. She and I were talking and she goes, listen, she's the real deal. My dad had come in at the end of somebody else's reading. Does that happen often? Oh, yeah. Really, I assumed, well, that's not for me, but that sure is strange. It sounds like my dad. And then all of a sudden, the next person that came through was my dad. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was him. <laughs> and yeah, he must have been just scooting out the other person and put himself right in front of you. But he had just passed. And I mean, the things that you were validating, my dad always introduced me as his favorite daughter. And it was a joke. In fact, even at his funeral, I stood there and said, for those who don't know me, I'm Mike's favorite daughter. He introduced me like that to you, which I, I knew it was him. He also told you that I had just gotten a tattoo and that he wasn't too excited about it. And I still had the Band-Aid on the tattoo at the time. My dad also told you a lot of details about what was going on with his will, which is crazy. I didn't even share that with anyone because you don't share stuff like that, you know, with everybody. But when you had said, did you have a little white dog? I about fell over because two weeks after my dad passed, my little teacup poodle who was 15 had passed. Wow. And the vision I had at that moment of my dog, my little teacup poodle following around my dad was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was very awesome. It was a great experience. It was actually the very first time I've ever seen a professional medium before. And do all dogs go to heaven? Yes. 
<laughs> have you read the book, uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain? No. I recommend it for anyone that's a, a fur baby lover. And okay. It's, um, you're going to cry. They made it to a movie, but I like the book better. It is an easy <laughs> read. But anyone that's lost a, a pet, I recommend this book. It was given to me by one of my clients. It's through the dog's eyes of his life. And um, it's really a remarkable story. So I recommend it. The Art of Racing in the Rain. And you do read dogs. The, the, you know, I, I think oh, I've never really thought about it. I've had ducks come through, alligators, bears. Well, I've had uh, one guy came and he was uh, for a session and he said, all of a sudden my room was filled with all these wild animals. He's oh my a, God. He's a wild game hunter. Come through. I've had goats come through. I've had chickens come through. Yeah, any soul can come through. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that story, Shanna. I don't know that I knew all those details. And that was, that's beautiful, Deb, that you were able to gift her with that. It really was. I'm sorry for your loss, Shanna. Thank you. Is that kind of how you found your path? I've had lots of people pass in my life, even from a childhood. I never was curious, even though I was raised in a very religious home. It was nothing that I was like seeking out or, or need anything. My husband that is now deceased he was a VP of a company. We moved from Ohio to here. Things weren't going well. And we were filing bankruptcy and we were, you know, not making things neat. I actually went to a psychic and she told me, um, no, he's not going to get the career job. And why aren't you sitting on the other side of the table doing readings? And I thought she was crazy. <laughs> a girlfriend of mine that just actually passed in March, she came out from California and started talking to me about feng shui. I started saying that, well, maybe I'm going to be a feng shui consultant, whatever. But then I when I started feeling energy, I realized that I could feel dead people around me. Didn't know what it meant. I uh, called a girlfriend and said, I think your dad's been here. And um, he came through. Did your dad die from not being able to breathe? She's asking you, Shanna. Actually, he had congestive heart failure, so yes. Okay, because he's making me cough because I'm an empath. I'm like, stop making yeah. me cough. I know you're here. <laughs> Dad, ease up on her. No, really. Um, <laughs> So a girlfriend of mine, I called her and told her that her dad was visiting me. I never knew her dad. And I gave her all this information. And a couple hours later, I was like, oh, shit. From then on, the floodgates opened. But I went to the library, and I, that's when we didn't have Google and stuff. And I went to the library, and I grabbed a bunch of books, started reading, not all, not all the way through them, but parts of them. And I realized I was a medium, and I didn't have any idea that this actually existed. So it wasn't like I was seeking answers or you know, I was seeking answers for our financial stability. If you would have gotten the other job or a job that would have changed things, then I wouldn't be sitting here today. So, wow. And I went to see John Edward that came into town. I didn't know why I was there. I'm like, why am I here? I believe in the afterlife. I don't need, I mean, it's all those people there. I don't need to have a reading because they need a reading, you know? So I wasn't there for that. Well, we got back in the car, and before that, my husband had been listening to a baseball game. No one turned the channel, but it was on Cozy 101 where Roshki was. Yeah. And he was, had Sid the Psychic on. And so I called the station, and I would have never heard her because I didn't listen to radio at night. And within, right after 9-11, she had me on the air, and that's why I did 52 readings on and off the air. I knew this is where my path is going to go. There was no question. And the rest is history. Oh my gosh. Did you not have any idea that you had any of these spiritual abilities? When I was a kid growing up, I remember coming out and my mom was making breakfast. And I said, Mom, I had a dream that Elvis Presley died in the bathroom. And I was like, um, 
changes how he died. My mom goes, oh, do you want powdered sugar or syrup on your... Yeah, and my daughter was born on his birthday and her dog's name was Presley. But anyway, so you wow. have these experiences that you think, okay, that's kind of weird. But because my dad's a minister, you know, you're not really thinking that this is real or it can happen and not realizing people didn't talk about that. I mean, we had three right. channels on the TV, for goodness sakes. You said you were an empath, though. Absolutely. Um, okay. Good question, because I was teased a lot for being bullied, actually, for being sensitive, being an empath. But, you know, we didn't know what empaths were then, you know, or at least in right. my community. Yeah. Um, so when you're that sensitive, you will have that kind of stuff that happens. And that's why I work with a lot of kids today that are in school. There's so much more pressure than when I was growing up, even I think even more than when you're growing up, especially with social media and stuff. And that's why we're seeing more suicides and we're seeing more bullying and things like that. Suicide in America right now is, it's just awful. So my book is a lot about suicide as well as a lot of my platforms are suicide. My okay. husband, my nephew, my cousin, friends, tons of people have died by suicide, which is to let people know they either died by suicide or they suicided. That's the new politically correct way of saying it. Because years ago, commit suicide was against the law. And it was considered oh. crime versus mental health. So now people use um, that it's mental health. It is an illness. And I call it cancer of the mind, not brain cancer, but cancer of the mind. And so I became an expert, unfortunately, in this, in this line of work. But in Colorado, the higher you go altitude, like in Breckenridge and stuff, there's more suicides even there. You're kidding. Uh -uh. Wow. I think the youngest family I've read for, it, I think it was a nine-year-old. Oh. And oh my God. wow, you know. How do you feel connecting clients with their loved ones that have passed away from suicide um, helps them in the grieving process? You know, there's so much guilt when it comes to suicide. That's the number one thing. People want to know why, and you don't ever get the answer why. What it really resonates to is the fact that they had mental health. This was really hard for them to live. And I feel like a lot of empathic people really have a hard time here and mm -hmm. so they may use drugs or alcohol to kind of manage their depression which can make it obviously worse um, but I think part of it is just the guilt that they carry and when they come through and just say you did everything you could I didn't want to listen anymore I mean a parent always wants to believe that they can protect their child but, but I feel it's just another avenue of healing that mediums are not the only avenue it's a piece of the healing so mm -hmm. even a lot of therapists psychiatrists and stuff will send patients to me to do that one reading so they can continue on in the healing because usually it's because of a lot of like I said the guilt they just carry so much guilt and they want to know why and that usually comes through in the session. I think that the young adults right now their generation they're very empathic. Like I've worked in schools teaching them how to meditate talk them about it's all energy so I teach them about how to identify that it's your energy or it's not your energy. It's like for me, mm -hmm. I, if I'm not doing my work, I turn off this energy and they don't know how to turn it off. And that's what causes yeah. the issues. So when they learn to create boundaries and then they don't take it on and you look at a kid that's really empathic at home, maybe home life is not great. They go to school, they're sitting next to a kid that's been bullied. The other one that didn't get to eat, maybe behind them, the parents just lost their job. And then the teacher's going through stress. They're soaking all that up become cutters, they become addicted, they can't do mainstream school, and there's so much pressure these days, and I think parents put a lot of pressure on their kids, that doesn't help these kids, versus do you want your kid to be happy, or do you want it to look good on paper for you? Yeah, I agree. You know, worldly expectations and conditions that parents have put on their children, 
I love, absolutely love and commend you for getting the message and the teaching out there on helping these kids realize how to protect themselves, boundaries, and what energy is and being an empath. Because I'm like you, I feel like if we could teach kids what an empath is and how to protect themselves, that maybe suicide might just go down a little bit. Absolutely. A couple of times I've had the opportunity to explain to some of my daughter's friends that are, you know, sophomores in high school, that some of these things that they're feeling and sensing are gifts that they don't realize they have. And the second you tweak the word and tell them, no, it's not wrong. There's not something wrong with you. That is a gift. It's like they completely change their personality and they, they get so excited. And it's like you give them a piece of hope by tweaking just that word because their whole life they've been told or programmed to think that that means there's something wrong with them. Me too. I wish someone would have gave me those tools when I was that age. <laughs> Earlier, you were saying that you couldn't breathe. You're kind of choking up. You're asking Shanna if that's maybe her father couldn't breathe. Does that happen to you a lot when someone comes through that you actually feel these physical effects? And do you ever have to put up a boundary or, or uh, disconnect because it could become harmful to yourself? Absolutely. And I don't think it, I'll question this. I don't think it comes harmful to me, but I just have to know that I don't want to sit here and cough for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. But they will show me if they suicided, they had a tumor or they had liver cancer or pancreatic mm -hmm. cancer. So I, I will feel those things usually pretty quickly, but it's because I'm doing, I'm open, right? Like right now I'm open to being transparent. If I'm out and about or I'm with friends, I shut that off. And I, I don't see it about protection, but if you're in your power, you don't need to take that on. And I feel like boundaries are no different than in, in life. So if you have humans that are crossing your boundaries, spirit world is going to do the same thing. So oh. I mean, clarity that if, and I find that people said, oh, they're with me all the time. And I go, who crosses your boundaries? And I'll name five people. I go, when you deal with that, that will happen there. So it's really kind of explaining to them that it's a life lesson. If you're, bombarded, then what do we need to help you do? Do you need to be in your power? Do you need to work on your root chakra, your throat? What's going on in your heart? Is there guilt? So you really work through those things. So mm -hmm. boundaries are set up pretty quickly. You know, my family, we lost my brother in the war in 2007. You know, my mom's never been the same. Her grief has just you know, changed her, of course. And then I not only lost my brother, but I grieve my old mom, you know, my, my mom that I knew before. It's like with Alzheimer's, people grieve the person that they were, then they the lost the thing, you, you're grieving your mom. So we're, they're starting a new uh, chapter here in Colorado called um, Helping Parents Heal. You can also bring siblings and grandparents, and they're just starting it. That's the test I had before I went on with you guys. They've been testing me to see if I qualify to participate. And my dear friends are starting or trying to get the foundation going. So when we hear more, we're probably going to send out an email blast. So look for that to see if it helps. And I think part of it is just when people lose a child, your communication and everything is so different. I, the hardest reading I've probably, not the hardest reading I've ever done, but the most difficult reading I've ever done was a woman from Colorado that has moved to New York and um, lost all four of her children. And as I'm doing her reading, she got a VIP and she flew up from New York and we're talking, I'm like, oh, you have a child here. You have a, I mean, I'm like knowing I just, I think of that story and go, I don't know if I would be getting out of bed anytime.
Yeah. Oh my God. That is heartbreaking. Yeah. I I cannot even imagine. So how, how do you protect yourself from the, the emotions that come through or do you sometimes get wrapped up in it? Very rarely do I get emotional. Part of it is you're doing a job. I mean, even though I'm an empath, you have responsibility to be a good messenger and not make it about you. <laughs> if you look at anyone in a profession that's helping other people, it's not about you, bottom line. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. If someone's trying to really figure out their journey, how can the Akashic Records maybe help them navigate? If anyone's not familiar with Akashic Records, in the spiritual realm, we believe that there is a hall of records basically, and that some people have learned how to tap into it to basically kind of download things. And so I've done it for your life purpose, like our, what our lessons are and what your archetypes are. And then the second one is for past lives. And past lives are pretty powerful. I've been doing a lot more of them recently, which just brings me joy, but it will help you understand some of the issues that you're dealing with now. And it doesn't take those issues away, they're lessons in my opinion, but it shows you, it gives you tools to say, well, how do I manage this? And how do I come, this keeps coming up? And what is it that I'm not getting? Because in most, 99.9% .9 of people, when I work with them on their contracts and their life's purpose and the classic records, there is definitely a pattern. And so mm -hmm. I tell people that if you live to 99 years, you will see almost like every nine, eight to 10 years, this pattern of different people. So you have different classroom settings trying to educate you with different teachers. So your soul group, a lot of them are the people that are the most difficult in your life. <laughs> yeah. So are the Akashic Records something that you had to learn to access? Or is it something everyone can access? And how do you access them? Um, you know, I, I've been teaching this for a long time to let people know that we all have an ability as our intuition. We all have a sixth sense. A lot of us through life turn it off because either we're bullied or we're told to listen to common sense versus our intuition. So that's why we all have the ability. I think some make it easier. If you have this personality where you need to know scientific proof, it's going to be harder to go into Akashic Records. So like for me, um, I was told a few years back that they couldn't do this work because they're scientists and scientists ask more questions. Where... I'm not a scientist. I trust what comes through, right? And it, for me, it was really kind of a natural ability. If you want me to figure out what the tip is going to be on the dinner, I can't figure that out. If you want me to kind of fix something, that's not me. You know, if you, even with GPS, I can get lost. <laughs> we all have this sort of uh, innate ability and that to teach Akashic Records, it's totally meaning that you're going to trust. Any psychic or medium has to 100% trust what's coming through. So people will even say no, and I'm like, I can't change it to make it fit for you. This mm -hmm. is what I'm getting. And people will come back all the time going, it didn't make sense, but now it does. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like in the Akashic Records reading? Do you put them in like in a meditation state, or are you just reading them just like a regular reading? And that, including past lives. Some people you can go to, and they will take you into a meditation to do it. If this person doesn't trust enough or haven't done it enough, they're not going to get too much. So for me, I'd rather read through three or four lifetimes, boom, 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 and then spend the next half hour trying to get information about what that means in this lifetime. And so even Akashic Records, when I go in, it even feels different now. Now I download it almost like a Google, where before I would go into the hall, I would see, you know, all the big books and different rooms. And now I just go, okay, just give me the data.
I think it's just because I've done it so often that yeah. I don't need to go into every step to kind of get there. I want one. I really, that's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, it's when I do readings, I don't know anything. I have the first name of the individual and not know anything except what kind of reading they're going to have. And then they've been doing a reading. They go, well, can you do my past life too? So if we have time, I'll do that. They, I just know their first name and all their lifetimes will come through along with who they were connected with. I don't believe in karma. I believe in Dharma. So I believe that we're here to learn lessons. So we exchange energy to be more enlightened. I think karma to me is a little bit like a Christian belief of heaven of hell. You know, people are paying for things. Um, mm -hmm. Do I want karma for some of the, my loved ones? Absolutely. <laughs> but I believe it's more Dharma. So we exchange those lessons in order to be there for each other, for that soul group to grow. I yeah. love that. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a sister-in-law that's not, she's not, she's married to my, my husband's brother. And I know we have some kind of Dharma, <laughs> but I want it to be over with. Yeah. But she's in your soul family for sure. Absolutely. Like one of the biggest teachers and she won't go away. Does it happen sometimes that your past life self might come through? I'm sure it has, but for me, it's like going on to an icon. This will happen though. If I'm doing a past life reading or a contract reading, one of their loved ones will come through to either apologize or talk, but it's a very brief. That's okay. going on with what we're talking about. Okay. Okay. And choosing. So it, it sounds like you've got it under control. Like it's not necessarily controlling you. You've no. got some say. And that's what I like to teach is that. Like, I love that. All these, you know, these, these spirits are in my home and they're all there all the time. And I'm like, okay, you just need to get boundaries. Don't let just other people just show up in your home. So you have to, you know, there's spirits in my house all the time, but I just ignore them. No, for me, it's always like I just wake up and my eyes are open and I'm like, okay, who's here? And my Aunt Diane came through and I told her to go away. I was like, I'm freaking tired. I need to rest up for my children tomorrow. I am sorry. Well, and the reason why they come for people at nighttime, they'll come through a lot when I'm taking a shower or doing my hair because I'm not distracted. There's no cell phone. There's no one bugging me. But I'll just go, okay, you can, you can show up. And then I, I disband that. But yeah, you, you need to make those boundaries. What's your Claire, Deb? What's your Claire? You know, I use every sense and they come okay. through depending on the soul. So oh, okay. if like, if I feel someone really kind of bossy coming through, did your brother have a girl? Uh-huh. Your brother's here. <laughs> like I can feel someone being stubborn or I'll see a cross if they're really religious. So you, mm. and then I can smell things. I can hear certain things that will come through. A lot of visuals I get to. I was doing this missing person. And I feel like he was kidnapped. And so I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Sneakers with uh, Robert Redford. And he's trying to transcribe what he was hearing to a blind man and a blind actor. And so, you know, you get things like that that kind of let you know what's going on. Like the reading I did right before you guys, at the end of it, I sh I mean, she showed me a buffalo. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know what, and they're not even in Ohio, Colorado, they're in Ohio. I'm seeing a buffalo. She goes, I don't know. I said, is there a restaurant? That was called Buffalo Run or something like that. He goes, no, but we had buffalo wings last night. There you go. Yeah, so he, he got that. But yeah, it's just all these senses. I may taste like whiskey or yeah, I'll taste moonshine or their favorite dessert or whatever too. Do you ever get blockages? Like sometimes if you are grieving in your life or going through something hard in your life, it kind of blocks you up from being able to connect spiritually. It sounds like crickets. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a couple reasons for that. Um, I always believe that 
we have to have a certain vibration to connect with the other side. And that's with people that are, they want to hear from their loved one. And I said, until your grief gets to a different place, it's going to be really hard to feel them. And mm -hmm. for the, the description is, is the, those in, in spirit have to go to like almost a 10 foot pool like they're trying to, to breathe. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to make the connection. We have to raise ours. And so if we're not dealing with our own stuff and we don't know how to get out of our own way, then it can be mm -hmm. harder. What I've learned is for me is when I'm going through some stuff is how do I push it aside so that I can really do my job. And so mm -hmm. I don't grieve when I'm doing readings, all right? My anger or whatever I'm learning right now, I just push that aside so I can just be that channel. Mm -hmm. But I can practice. I mean, I've done 50,000 plus readings. So you kind yeah. of like know how to go into autopilot. When you get into the car, you look in your rear view mirror, you, look, you kind of get into that place so that you can drive safely. So it's the same yes. thing. That's why I said if everyone can open all those chakras, to the mm -hmm. point where they can also manage them, where they're not going through a kundalini, <laughs> then you can bring those people through. Do you want to do it for a living? Not everyone wants to do it for a living, or they don't feel like that's where they want to go. Because there is a lot of responsibility. And I feel like part of my work is to also educate people when it comes to grief. And yeah. a lot of people just want to do the reading. It's like, they're still left out there. You just got to talk to them about how to grieve and what's right, not right or wrong, but the sense of however their grieving is right for them. I think it's always the time when we are really like we're not getting it because our body's not ready to shift it either. Certain times things come up and all of a sudden you're going, yeah, now I can work with this. So I do, which might be really great for you ladies. Um, it's uh, called soul's contracts mm. and it will talk about the self love and all the lessons. And then I give you the tools. So first um, day, cause it's a weekend it's really in-depth stuff. You know, it's really bringing through all your lessons in your life. And then the second day is how to manage them and get through them and heal from them. So just keep your radar open for that because I think you girls would really, yeah, yeah it would be yeah. a benefit, especially if you're going to do readings. It gives you the Akashic records. It gives you your life purpose. It gives you lessons on why this is happening to you and why you keep attracting these things. After I went and saw you, you had suggested we get on your Facebook and we'd be able to, we could see the recording or something. So I got on and I, I followed you. It happened to be a day that you put out a challenge to your followers and it was to have a no judgment day. I remember that. Like at least four years ago. And <laughs> I was going through a lot of work. I had been in therapy for like five years and every therapist that I ever saw was like, you need to work on self-love, self-love. Your no judgment day ended up being a huge realization for me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> all the times they told me to be present, all my therapists, it didn't click, but this day, and you actually had kind of like a process of what you wanted people to do. Like, I, I don't remember it exactly, but I remember getting in my car that morning it was kind of easy for me to not judge others. I was like, okay, fine. You want to cut me off? Go ahead. I, whatever. You're in a hurry. You know, I'm, I'm kind of you know, allowing this to happen. Allowing the flow. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. The one thing that I found and that became a huge realization that day was that I could not stop judging myself. And that was, that was huge for me. I was able to really be present. I was really 
as I was trying not to judge other people, just kept judging myself. And I journaled about it. All those years, my therapist had been trying to get me to that moment. And I just, I, I had it, it right. It was that day. And that was a milestone for me. But isn't it strange that now we're making full circle? Yeah. You know, I'm te I teach this. You know, this is what, that's one of my biggest messages that I share. How cool that you got to teach Shanna. And then now Shanna gets to take your teaching and, and add her experience and wisdom to it and then share it. It's what a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And you know, you always are hoping, like you guys, when you're doing that work, that someone is impacted by it. Yeah. That's why you do it, is that you're hoping that someone will go, that's what I needed to hear today. Yeah. Thank you. All three of us are in that place where we're teaching others from our own experiences. I love what you're doing. I love the healing that you're offering people and that you do for our community. So thank you. You're doing the same thing. So it, it takes yeah. a village, right? Yeah. Especially during the pandemic and now with these riots and stuff, we started doing more Zooms and Facebook Lives more regularly just so that the community that felt alone felt like they're part of something. I know. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast, to let people know that, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. A lot of positive feedback, just like you guys, I'm sure, get uh, that, hey, yeah, I'm going through that too, and we can still be hidden, you know. Mm hmm so that we can still hide, but still acknowledge it and get that help that everyone needs. So mm. good job. So your brother, uh, Mandy, you want, can I talk to him for a few minutes? Yeah. Okay. Was it more than him that died at the scene? I don't know all the details. Okay. So he says it was a fast impact and he wasn't alone. And he is, he's swearing to me, like, you gotta be whatever me, like, I can't believe that this happened. And I also feel like maybe he wasn't even going to go out that day, but something else happened that like he may have been waiting to leave, like you said, but I feel like something called out that he had to be there, which he wasn't originally assigned to be there. Does that make sense? It's spot on. Okay. <laughs> yep. So he just feels like he got the raw end of the deal. Um, was this mm. baby have his middle name or have his name? Yep. And he's you know that he sees what's happening and that um, she is a wild child. <laughs> oh my God. Very smart. Um, she, he talks about her hair, if her hair is always crazy or there's something about her hair. And oh feels like, um, she can be mischievous. I feel like, does she have his eyes? Yes. And that he's looking down upon her and he feels wow. like if mom can move on. So I don't know if she's married somebody else, but he's okay with this. Oh and he, I feel like the baby's name changed after he died. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I don't think they were planning on giving his name her middle name until he died. No. Yeah, no, it's her middle name. And did she, was she born three weeks after he passed? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, he feels very honored. Um, he says, you, you, you talk to him, you are always keeping him in memory and that you're there. Has his wife pulled back a little bit mm -hmm. from family? He wishes that they would not. He says, I wish, I wish she would not do that, but I think it's just really hard for her. Mm -hmm. and I think if your mom could see this grandbaby more, it would help your mom. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> did you get a tattoo in honor of him? Yep, I did. Yep. So he's around. So does that make you feel good? 
as soon as I can let her know, then I'll do it. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I can't stop smiling. I, yeah. Oh my God. Everything you said, there's not one thing that didn't fit. And the impact, uh, the impact, I actually, he passed away on May 18th and his, uh, my, my niece's birthday is um, May 20, 29th. I've been thinking a lot about the impact because his, his master sergeant gave me his journal and I always wondered if, if he was still awake, if it hurt him. I, I mean, I know from my own personal experiences, God protects you in those moments. But I still always wondered if it was fast and quick and hopefully that he didn't have any thoughts, you know. He just was swearing. He was a swearer. Since <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a podcast, I won't use the words, but I'm sure you know what those are. <laughs> oh, I know what they are. You got Oh my God, Deb. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. He wasn't going to let us go off without him talking because I could still feel him like right here. I'm like, oh yeah. As soon as I let her know. <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh gosh, that was unbelievable. Yeah. That was so right on. Hey, Deb, I know you have an event coming up here locally. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Thank you. Yeah, um, actually, too, we're doing some online classes. There's uh, four classes on Fridays. Um, they're recorded, and then there's some live sessions, too, that people can ask questions. But the one, um, I think we're pushing out to the end of July, that's off of Hamden and Colorado Boulevard at the Universal Church. It's kind of like what you came to. So it's where people come to the audience. We're going to make sure everyone's safe and has masks and all that kind of stuff, where uh, I just read the audience. And so it's called a gallery reading where I'm just pulled in different directions in the room in order to give you a reading. Where would they find that information now if they wanted uh -huh. to go? My website, Deb Shepherd, S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D.com. And where can people get this amazing book? Grieving to Believing. Um, either through Amazon, I would go that direct, post a review. I think it's been out for less than two years. It's sold in 11 countries and it's number one, I think, in seven categories. We'll buy a few to put in our truck. Did you see that we had a boutique truck? I heard that. We can get them too. <laughs> what is in your, in your boutique? Yeah, we sell crystals and gemstones and herbs and self-help books. We sell um, decor. We sell drums. Things that raise your vibe, uh, things for your senses. And so we also give away a lot of free um, Alcoholics Anonymous books. If you ever know anyone that's struggling, send them my way. I have an abundance of resources for them. Good. Okay. You know what? I'd like to leave our listeners with your challenge of no judgment. What would you suggest... You know, it, it's changed my life. So what does that no judgment day look like? So I think we all are raised with some sort of judgment. And we look at what's going on now with George Floyd. I mean, our country is really at some diversity of, of what's going on. And I think most of us do have some sort of judgment, like how someone may be driving. And even now, if someone's not wearing a mask or someone is wearing a mask in their car, there's judgment. You know, there's that constant kind of... Yeah. Uh, thing that we will do and so I think that lowers our vibration and so it's realizing how do you want to stay in that higher vibration so what I tell my clients to do is wear a thick rubber band and every single time that they judge themselves or judge others is to snap the rubber band and then you realize how much you really judge yeah <laughs> and you're going wow I didn't think I really had that in me I didn't realize that's how much especially with social media there is so much judgment when it comes to social media, especially during this time of the pandemic and you know, mm -hmm. the riots. And so it's 
really kind of stepping back and going, why am I judging this? And what value does it bring to me when I'm judging another person or even myself? Like, because to me, judgment about yourself is not feeling the value of what you can offer our world. I agree. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Guys, you guys take care and stay safe. Right. We'll be in touch soon, Deb. Thank Come you. Come to our deck and, and have water and wine, okay? Yeah, See let's you? do it. I would love to. <laughs> awesome. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.